Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joshua T. Berglund. And before we get started, uh, yesterday we did this before the show. Before we started all the intro videos and all that stuff, um, I, I read something that was sent to me. Today, I'm going to read something that was in my devotional. And just for the record, what I'm about to read was not scripted, was not planned, or anything like that. It's literally the date, today, January 22nd. And if you're watching on the replay or three years from now, this is the year 2021. So the timing of this, I don't know, because some of you are going to think it's suspect, but I'm going to read it anyway. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here. Divine protection. They remembered that God was their rock, that God most high was their redeemer. Psalm 78, 35. There will be countless occasions in history when it seemed as if all was lost and all hope was gone. People and even nations were forced to admit defeat in an unequal battle against the superior numbers of the enemy. <laughs> even so, there have been even more cases in which deliverance came to people and nations in answers to their prayers. God has saved people and nations from obliteration, what a great word, in miraculous ways, and has enabled them to overcome dangers and transform humiliating defeat in glorious victory. These cases, both personal and historical, should serve as a constant reminder of the victorious omnipotence of God in all spheres of life. No circumstances are too small or too big for him, and no prayer will remain unheard or unanswered. This is the extent of God's unfathomable, another good word, love for his people and his world. Where, where you now go to meet a new unknown year in which adverse circumstances may threaten to overwhelm you or fear may make your heart tremble, remember that Christ has given his life for you. Turn to him and lay your fears at his feet because only in him will you find deliverance for your distress. I don't know who needs that today. God bless you. Lord, my God, you are my safe fortress to me, a shield against every calamity that threatens to befall me. You promised to be my keeper, who will not slumber or sleep. In this knowledge, I step into the unknown with confidence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here. Let's get it started. Welcome to Live Mana Ministries presents Gratitude Unfiltered. I'm your host, Joshua T. Berglund. We are broadcast live on the Live Mana Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. You can learn more at livemanaworldwide.com. 
dot org. And by the way, that is mana with one N. It doesn't mean bread. <laughs> if you want to have some fun, Google what uh Google the definition of mana, M-A-N-A. It's very special. I think I've explained this before, but for those of you who are new and don't know, it has a meaning. Anyway, God bless you guys. Thank you for being here. I am so excited about our next guest. Um, we've had so many powerful women on the show over the years, and I'm just floored. Like every time I'm blown away. And our next guest is somebody that I actually met on Instagram. And I'm just blown away by the work she does, just the power in her presence. Um, it just got me excited. And I just felt drawn to reach out and go, hey, will you come on Gratitude Unfiltered? And she said, yes. And that makes me very, very happy. I am so grateful that you're all here. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Periscope, any of the social media networks, if you would like and share this out to people, I would be so grateful. Um, this is going to be powerful. You don't want to miss it. So, Heavenly Father, do your thing. Bless this broadcast and bless everybody watching. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Rachel D. Fox. I didn't time that right. Rachel, <laughs> Rachel D. Fox. Hey. <laughs> my, my cursor, this is why I need a, a producer right here that can just click all the buttons for me so I can just do all my stuff. But, but until then, but I looked then. down and my cursor was in the wrong spot. I'm like, crap, I couldn't time that right. <laughs> so, it's all right. It's quite all right. I am so grateful you're here, Rachel. First things first, before we uh, get into all of the good stuff. Actually, this is pretty good. What are you grateful for today? Oh, man, I am grateful for life. I am grateful for health. I am grateful that I woke up this morning and I was able to hear my children a laugh and giggle and get ready for school. I'm thankful for a home. I'm thankful for just um, provision. Um, I'm thankful for all the things that we take for granted in life. And I, I um, want, I'm thankful for my breath, just the very mm. breath that I breathe. There are a lot of people out there who are sitting in hospitals who cannot breathe. And I can take a cleansing breath in and a cleansing breath out and I am able to live another moment um, like this. So that is beautiful. I thought you were going to give me some lame answer the way you started it. And it was beautiful. <laughs> Every morning I wake up grateful. Every morning, yes. Why, why are you grateful for life? Like why? And but okay, so you you brought up. I want to talk talk about your kids, and then you brought up. Um, you're grateful for. Um, Oh, you said every breath. There was something else, and I just brain farted. Let's talk about your kids really quick. How many kids? Yeah. How many kids do you have? Well, I have my husband and I together. We have eleven children, so <laughs> we have uh, we have a fun bunch, blended family. We both come from um, divorced backgrounds. Um, he had a few children before we got together, and so did I. We came together, and we have three more together. So um, we have 11 together. They range from eight months old um, all the way to 23 years old. So we have twins that are in the United States Air Force. And then we have those that are, some are in college, some are in high school, elementary school, preschool. And then we have little babe, Jackson Cooper. I like the name Jackson. I have, so I have twins. I, I gave them up for adoption in my former life of destruction. And it was the right thing to do as painful as that is still. 
Um, but Jackson was my son's name and uh, or is my son's name. I should say it that way because he is going to come back in my life one day. Um, what has been like you? So that many children, what has been the biggest surprise to you about having that big of a family? Like, have you ever just like sit there and go, golly, and like just in awe or in shock? The biggest surprise to me is that we continue to have the capacity to um, love just like we would if we just had one child. Um, our love continues to grow and grow with each new life. Um, and then another thing is that when I tell people I have 11 children, their minds go haywire. Um, they're like, what? You have 11 kids? Yeah. Um, but it doesn't feel like we have a lot of chaotic things going on. Now it can get rowdy in this house, um, <laughs> but not all 11 children live with us. We have um, six under, under this roof um, and everybody works together. Um, my older children are upstairs with the younger children right now. That's why you don't hear them. Um, we work together. And um, if I took a step outside of myself, I would say, dang, how are you able to manage doing all of that and god gives us grace to handle whatever it is that comes our way so we're grateful and we're thankful to have as many children as he allowed us to have how that that is absolutely beautiful how has your COVID experience been like have you what what's your experience been through this last it's been a year now basically what's your what's your experience been so um we'll probably talk about this a little bit uh, a little bit more, but one of my children has an autoimmune disease. Um, it's a rare form of encephalitis that affects the brain. Um, oh. And it really was a pivotal point in my life when she got sick. So as you were talking about COVID, we actually have to take extra precautions to keep ourselves um, within a bubble. Now we have three children that homeschool. My daughter, the one that I mentioned, we also have a nine-year-old daughter that's doing homeschooling right now. And then we have a five-year, six-year-old who does homeschooling. We have a 15-year-old who does not want to be at home. Homeschooling does not work for him. So we send him to um, the high school that he goes to, but he's he stays masked up. He doesn't come within six feet of anybody. And when he comes home, we have a regimen where he goes downstairs, takes his clothes off, washes his hands before he comes upstairs to us. And we have been um, so blessed to not have had COVID enter this home. Um, now, my parents who live in the same city, both of them got COVID after my mom um, got a job working at a, um, a kind of like a long-term care facility. Within mm -hmm. two weeks of her working there, she contracted COVID. And then my dad got it. Um, my niece got it, who stays with my parents. Um, and that was a very tense time because just that weekend when she was diagnosed, my daughter mm -hmm. was over there. Um, so we all had to get tested. It was really, really crazy. Um, but what we keep before us is Psalms 91. Mm, that's been coming up a lot lately. Psalms 91. Psalms so 91 is something that we go to bed playing throughout the house. We, if we ever are attacked with fear, and it's not just the fear of COVID. I mean, all the different threats that are going on in our, in our country has just, and I'm take these off, has just really 
um, it, it can it can mount up a lot of anxiety and a lot of worry. Um, but then when you think about Psalms 91, how he has has, you know, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it won't come near you. You have to take hold of those things. And we really do as a family. Um, just this week, we got an email that my son was in close contact with somebody that has COVID. Shock. We were in shock. I was getting ready to go up to that school and go get him. Uh, but I talked to the nurse and come to find out the student that he was in close contact with hadn't been to school since January 12th. And so they just had tested and, and tested positive all that time. My son's been around us. He's been holding the baby. We've been, you know, playing and having, and nobody has had any symptoms, thankfully. Um, but that's a true testament to the angels of the Lord um, protecting us. I went and got a COVID test before. I, w I was really concerned because I didn't know how long it would take. Um, I have a gig and I'm going to be around a bunch of different people Monday and Tuesday. And so I had to get a COVID test. And it actually wasn't as crazy of an experience as I thought. I've seen all this stuff online about them sticking that thing in your nose and Ooh. it going through your brain. And I'm like, and I and I saw her break out the Q-tip and I go, what? No, you're not. What are you? Whoa, 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 whoa. I saw a YouTube video about that and you're going to puncture my blood brain barrier and blah, blah. And she was like, no, I'm just going to swirl it around your nose. And I'm like, are you sure you're not going to stick it in my brain? She goes, yeah, I promise. She goes, all you're going to do is sneeze. And I was like, okay. So sure enough, that's what I did. I sneezed. She took the swab in my nose and that was it. It wasn't a big deal. The other test I'd done was a, uh, the blood test. Oh, okay. And so I've done two different tests and, you know, I mean, like everyone has these different opinions about COVID and all that stuff, but you know, whatever, that's a whole other conversation. Mm. Um, but it was actually painless and it took, they came out to my car. The whole thing took three minutes. Text me 15 minutes later. I'm good. Praise the Lord. Yep. So, I mean, and, and I guess it's nice to have peace of mind because the last thing I want on my hands, you know, it, it it's it's thinking that I have infected other people, you know? Yes. I mean, that's that that part of it. Like, I don't fear COVID at all, <laughs> at all. But at the same time, I don't want to be that dude that spreads it either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely in this house have to take extra caution. And I guess knowing that my family, some of my family went through it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my dad is uh, over 65. He's, you know, overweight. Um, there may be underlying health conditions, but he did not have to go to the hospital. It did get bad. Um, he was he was sick for a while. But he overcame, and I think the worst was losing the taste and smell, and that really um, kind of messes with your psyche. You're like, "Oh, I got COVID. Oh, I lost my taste and smell." And then when you think something is is bad, then it magnifies and it causes more disease, and then um, all of that just just snowballs. So it's really you have to stay disciplined in your mind, and like you said, you can't be afraid of it um, mm -hmm. because that fear can overtake you and have you in a place where you wouldn't have been if you would have had a sound mind. That's right. Where are you from? I live in uh, Nebraska. What part of Nebraska? Omaha. Do you know lovely skin? Lovely skin. It's big. It's a big dermatology skin. Yeah, it's right, around the corner. it's right around the corner here. Yeah. 
Um, Dr. Schlesinger is yes. a friend of mine. I used to, when I had a skincare line years ago, um, they were one of my customers and I've, that's, I've been to Omaha for lovely skin and I've been there for an Oklahoma, Nebraska football game. Oh yes. Okay. It, yes. Nebraska is just like Oklahoma. <laughs> it's not much different. <laughs> it's, wow. it's so crazy. Like Omaha and Norman are like the same city or town. So it's very, are you, so you're from there? I originally, I was born in Tupelo, Mississippi, but I've been in Nebraska since I was seven years old. So, um, so home now. It, yes. Not ah, very cool. So in your bio, it talks about you working with people to help them achieve their dreams. Mm -hmm. Talk about that. And like, actually, I want you to talk about this. What gave you the courage to be somebody that says, I'm going to participate in making your dreams come true? Well, and that's a great question. For me, um, when you are delivered and when you are set free, you want to see as many people as you can set free. For me, that's that was my experience and that's been my motivation because I was in a situation where I was in a complacent job. I was just doing things to make ends meet, to make sure that the bare minimum was satisfied. I knew there was more to life, but I really wasn't actively pursuing that because everything was fine. And then all of a sudden, my life shifted when my daughter became ill out of nowhere. Wow. I mean, she was perfectly fine bouncing, bubbly, dancing around. And then all of a sudden, in a weekend, that changed. We were in the hospital. We, I didn't know that we would be there for months. She lost the ability to speak, walk, uh, write. Um, she didn't recognize us. The doctors were acting as if they didn't know what was, what was going on. It took them four months to formally diagnose her. Um, and so I had a, a really pivotal moment, a critical moment in my life where I said, um, I need to do something mm -hmm. because life is fragile. Life is short. And I took the leap into um, entrepreneurship, um, into going for my dreams, because in an instant that could be taken away. And, and what type of a life will it be if I know that God came for me to have an abundant life and I didn't go for it? Gosh. I know that there's something waiting for me on the other side, but I allow complacency to settle in and I didn't go for it. So helping people to uncover, first of all, to know that they're worthy of every dream that God has placed inside of them. And then, and then two, to get them unstuck and unblocked into realizing what it is that is their true purpose. Um, I know that talking to people and encouraging people sets my soul on fire. Mm -hmm. it, it gives me that good, empty feeling when I know that I've poured myself into someone else and they're gonna go forward and they're, because they heard my testimony, they too can go after their dreams with reckless abandon. Um, that is really what, what motivates me to see to it that other people realize their dreams as well. And it, it doesn't have to end in entrepreneurship. Maybe it is to get that promotion. Maybe it is to do something completely different than what I'm doing. That's not the point. The point is, if you're stuck, if you have a dream, I want to help you realize that. What is your testimony? And that, first of all, that's amazing. But what is your testimony? 
I have so many testimonies. <laughs> How did you, what was the pivotal? Okay. What was the moment of surrender for you? The moment of surrender for me was when I had prayed every prayer. I had sung every song. And I, and I would tell you, I'm a preacher's child. My dad is a pastor. My mom is a pastor, grew up in the church, been saved since I was six years old. And none of that mattered when my daughter got sick. None of it mattered. I kept praying and asking God to heal her. I went before God. I busted out all the oil. I read every scripture. I prayed every prayer. And... It was one moment when I was driving home from a church service. It was a 6 a.m. prayer, and I was praying over my daughter, and she was really bad. And I was driving home, and I was face full of tears, no, no joke. And I was like, God, I can't do this anymore. I cannot do this anymore. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to take it because I can't do it anymore. I was pregnant at the time with my son, Jace, um, and I just had had it. None of the things that people told me were, would work were working. Mm -hmm. um, and it was in that moment. It was in that moment where I just said, you know what? I give up. Then I'm not even joking. It was not even 24 hours later that um, my daughter the next day started just showing glim little glimpses of turning around. Um, she said waffle. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I would pray for her to say anything. Um, Waffles and I held on to that. Waffle is great, right? Um, but that was a pivotal time for me, a pivotal moment for me. And, um, and being able to fully surrender and know that regardless, even if it never got any better, I knew that I had nothing else to give. Knowing that you can't fix it, that you really truly have to give it over is the thing that just shifted in me. And, um, I just hit the ground running I'm telling you. That's, that's cool. That's really cool. What was it like growing up as a, not just a preacher's kid, but you have preachers in your like mom and dad are preachers. What was that like? Um, it was different. It was interesting. Um, I didn't know any different cause I was born in it. I was born into the Baptist home. My, um, we were the quote unquote first family in Arkansas. My dad pastored a Baptist church there and it had all the stuff that you would, can imagine, the big poofy dresses, um, <laughs> hair and pigtails, sitting on the front row next to mom who was the first lady. Um, I thought we were like completely rich. I thought we were like the Huxtables because, uh, <laughs> and you couldn't tell me anything different. We had a plum tree in our yard. Uh, we had an Oldsmobile. I mean, we were living that life. And I remember my dad um, was like my hero. He still mm. is. I was a straight up daddy's girl. Anything he said, I just soaked it up and you couldn't tell me anything different. He had these diff these robes and I thought they were like superhero capes. He would talk <laughs> about Jesus dying on the cross and I was just so emotional I remember when I was sitting on the mourner's bench. I don't know if you've ever heard of what that is. Yeah. But in the South, uh, there is a bench that you sit on if you're not saved. Okay. And you have to sit there until you give your heart to the Lord. And I sat on the bench. I was fine. I didn't care. I just sat on it. And I remember him preaching. And I remember just when just 
seeing the face of Jesus dying for my sins. And I'm like, how, how could somebody who doesn't even know me love me that much and could die for me? And I just started to weep and weep and weep. And I took my father's hand when he gave the, the said the doors of the church are open. I just took my father's hand and I wanted, I wanted that salvation. And I remember it. And I got baptized that same day. And it was just, I'll never forget it. I, and I, I, I know I was saved. Yeah. I know it. Um, so for me growing up in that type of household, it was good. It was definitely good for me to have that foundation. Sure. Uh, what was what was difficult was discerning the voice of God from the voice of my parents. Um, <laughs> growing up, when you do things that your parents wouldn't like you to do. And for me, I'm a challenger. If you tell me something that you say that God said it and I don't see it in the Bible, I'm going to challenge you hand and foot. Even <laughs> if my dad said it, I'll be like, "You, God said that? Hold on. You know, that, that's me. And so when I grew grew up and into that, we would butt heads because I would be mm -hmm. like, there's no way God feels that way about me. There's no way God would be that disappointed in me. Yeah, I'm going through some things, but there's no no way, you know. And, and we had a lot of religiosity without the relationship. Um, and it took a lot to break away from that. I disappointed my parents, but I ended up finding who I was and leaving their church and also just discovering who I am. So growing up in it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it back at all of uh, the good and the bad, the ugly. Um, I wouldn't take it back. I wouldn't belong to another family. I love my mom. I love my dad. I love my siblings. Actually, my older sister is a preacher. My younger brother is a pastor. Actually, he's a bishop. Um, what does that mean, by the way? Being a, being a bishop? Yeah. Well, how's that different than a preacher? There's so many titles. I know. Like, I love T.D. Jakes. The hierarchy, and it's, uh, it's biblical, I guess. If you desire to be a bishop, you have to be above reproach and be the husband of one wife and all these different things. Um, and, I mean, it's something well, notable. Bishop, then. <laughs> It's something notable to to want to achieve, and that's no knock to anybody that's a that's a bishop. For me, um, I just don't I don't dig all the titles. I am who I am. I preach with my life. You don't have to put minister, reverend, or anything. As a, as a matter of fact, I prefer you don't. Um, I just live my life um, the way that God has intended for me to to do. I'm a Christian, but yeah, sometimes I cuss a little. I am not perfect. Um, <laughs> I just, I just live the, the life that God has, um, called for me to live. I, you know, I asked you the question, um, about that because I, I used to party a lot with preacher's kids. <laughs> so I, <laughs> you have more fun. the exact opposite. And I was one of those kids. I grew up in a Baptist church in Oklahoma city, Oklahoma, you know, going to church on Wednesday going Sunday morning, Sunday night, vacation, Bible school, Sunday school, all the false creeks, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, but religiosity, religion, like it couldn't, like it just the rules and it, uh, it completely turned me off because I saw all these people that were telling me if I break these rules, I'm going to hell. I saw all them doing all the bad stuff that they were telling me not to do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, 
for me, I had to experience the supernatural part of Jesus. And the, to go to your earlier point about asking Jesus, like, how could this person die on the cross for me? It's really hard to wrap your head around. Like, okay. I think for just everyday life, it's like, well, that seems like a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. But really supernatural stuff is a fairy tale. Like it's supernatural. Like it's mm -hmm. spooky. It's not of this world. I almost think that if we started redirecting our focus away from the religious side and into the spiritual supernatural side of Jesus mm -hmm. and understanding, because that's the realm that's coming to attack us anyway. Yeah. So why wouldn't we preach about the realm <laughs> that we're, we're, we're actually going against? Mm. Like, I don't, I've never really understood that um, because, again, it took a supernatural experience to get me to believe. Right. Because I couldn't practically go, this makes no sense. Mm -hmm. This makes zero sense until I had the moment. And the moment was me cursing out God about why he wouldn't fix me and why he wouldn't change me. Mm. And then he answered me. And it rocked my world. And it changed <laughs> my world forever. Won't he do it? <laughs> what now? I said, won't he do it? Uh-huh. I gotta learn how that expression works. I've I've heard it and I haven't like I haven't got it down yet. So that's it. It's, that, it. it's, it's in that moment. Won't he do it? Won't he do won't it? He okay. Do it? Yes. We get that down. Anyway. <laughs> um, but then and the cool thing about that was is that I remember when I was trying to do the religious side of getting saved you know, doing the, raising my hand and I'm going to change and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. None of it really inspired me to actually change or do the work to change. It took a supernatural experience that I couldn't deny because mm -hmm. I know when I was in the religious side of myself or trying to be religious, I denied God all the time because I yeah. wanted to fit in and be cool. And now that seems ludicrous, but that was the truth. That was me growing up. Right. So, yeah. Well, and also to your point with that, growing up in a household where you have to go to, you have to be the first person at the church, the last one to leave, your family has to hold up this type of persona, actually had um, an idea for a book called, um, uh, now sh shut the F up and let's go to church. Amen. <laughs> because, because what the, the whole notion of it is we do all this stuff behind the scenes mm -hmm. and then we put on all these masks, all these fronts to present that we are all put together when really we're not. And then when we, when we feel like nobody's watching, we come undone again, back to our regular selves yeah. when it should be the exact opposite. We should come to church undone. Amen. We should come to church unmade. And that was a thing that really tripped me up is that, we're doing all these things to present a certain way, but this is not the Jesus that I'm coming to know. And I did all the partying and all that stuff. And I felt so condemned and so bad because I wanted to sing in the nightclubs and I wanted to hang out. And I think when you're a preacher's kid, it's not um, accepted that you would have, you know, a carnal life. How yeah. could you do that? And you're, preacher's kid. How could you do that? I mean, that's what some of the, some of the greatest uh, church leaders um, have come up under. How can you be a pastor and you have these thoughts? How can you be a pastor and you fall, you've fallen short? And to a certain degree, if you are in that category, then yeah, you're held up to a higher esteem. And I think that is, that is the thing where the stigma where 
preacher's kids get the bad rap because we're supposed to be good. Yeah. Well, it's a horrible, I mean, I hate stigmas in general, but part of the reason, you know, you don't know, you don't know really anything about me. And, but this show was born out of a meth, a month long meth binge. Mm. After giving my life to the Lord, like I hadn't, you know, look, just because you give your life to Jesus doesn't mean everything's fixed like that. There's work to do. There's, there's renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind doesn't happen overnight. And anyone who says that can, you're just lying. You're mm-hmm. lying and deceiving everyone. Yeah. It's a process. Like the, the, just to retrain your neural pathways over one thing could take months. Oh, yeah. And it's a focused effort. So, I mean, like I come on here and I, you know, kind of jokingly say I'm a shock jock evangelist because I'm very bold about what I talk about, but I talk about my sin and my struggle in real time, not to glorify it. But just to go, I need to put light on it because I'm so used to hiding mm-hmm. my deviant behavior. Like my my double life had a double life, if you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And and like I'm used to hiding. I know how to hide. I know how to put on that face and everything's okay. I learned that at a really early age. Yeah. And I knew how to wear all the mask. And I just, this is, I had to take it off because I knew... God was telling me that I want you to share your testimony. I want you to talk about what I've done for you, but I also want you to talk about the journey and the struggle in real time to show other people, to give other permit people permission to be themselves and to know it's okay. No, sin's not good. You should repent. But yeah. if you mess up, just repent and move on. That's right. Like, and, and, and if you surrender it to me, if you give it to me, then I will use it for good. That's and right. God has proved this to me since that day. He has proved it to me powerfully, like five or six times in the last two years of like really powerful moments where it was a pivotal moment that if I would have got captured and lost in my shame, I would have gone back to my old life like that. The devil would have used that shame to beat me over the head with it nonstop until I completely gave in and went back. Yeah. But thank God, thank God for God. And That's thank right. God for his promises and and you know and thank Jesus for you know his the forgiving nature, the act that he did that forgave us of our sins, so we don't have to be weighed down by it anymore. That's right. That's right. We don't have to. We don't have to be a slave to it. And I think the condemnation comes with other people who really haven't accepted the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. It is. They think that we have to continue to work and work and work and work and earn and earn and earn. And that is so anti what Christ came to do. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Give me your burdens. Give Mm -hmm. me your yoke. Take my yoke. I mean, all of these things that Jesus came to undo we continue to see to seek to do things to just be loved by him to be accepted by him to know that there is nothing that i can do to separate his love from me and the struggles that we go through the temptations that we go through it's hard for us to talk about because we don't really know truly the depth of the love of jesus christ we can't even fathom it because we think that our works or our our non-working is going to keep up that's how we treat each other you did that okay so you're you're condemned 
you you went you went and, and did drugs oh you're condemned i can't work with you anymore i can't mm -hmm. be your friend anymore because of what you did but when you have somebody in your life that says i don't care what you did i love you i love you we can't accept that because we can't bring that into our ourselves we can't even fathom it it god that's so good like i have like chills like just crawling up my legs right now um that's so beautiful my wife is now is she's i i like i'm still blown away like i'm so i'm sorry i'm like i'm madly in love with my wife like i mm -hmm. i it's i can't even like hide it so when i talk about her i get all excited but <laughs> i also but i respect the heck out of her too and she's really been working at me and i know god's been talking to her about me because you were talking about working for it there's other areas of our life that we try to work for it. Like when we're living the kingdom life and we're pursuing what God has for us, sometimes we take it upon ourselves still to even work too hard in the kingdom life. Meaning we're trying to do it on our own as, a, as opposed to allowing God to move and, and, to, and to work for us. And surrender is because I'm a control freak surrender is so hard and like i've been able to surrender sin i've been able to surrender um you know so many different th worries but one of the areas that i struggle with letting go of is my control of i get to do it all i've got to do it what do you because you're this is your thing like with working with entrepreneurs and stuff like that like what do you say about that knowing that Kingdom people believe in the promises of God, which means everything I'm dreaming, everything I envision is God showing me what's possible. So I want all of it and I want it now. Mm -hmm. So and when working with kingdom people, how do you how do you work around? How do you manage that? How do you finesse it? Or just I don't even know the right words, but I think you know what I'm saying. Well, I will tell you um, I'll tell you a story about about me. Um, I have, I'm an ideas person. Mm -hmm. I have all kinds of ideas. You bring me a, a problem, I got a, a ton of solutions. And I have all these dreams, I had all these dreams and aspirations and things that I wanted to do. And of course they were, I felt like they were God breathed because if, why would you give me this dream if it didn't come from you? Yeah. I began to realize, and I had this vision board on my, on my wall. And it, it was all the things that I wanted to do. I wanted to be a world-renowned speaker, a best-selling author, and I had all the affirmations that go along with it. I want all these, these things. Um, but at the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, I had this overwhelming feeling of taking that vision board down, take everything off of it. Wow. And I was like, why? I have these things like I want to be in the best shape of my life. I am a, a minister. I have all these different things on here. And you know what verse that I kept being drawn to was like magnetized. Seek first my kingdom mm. and my righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And when I have somebody that wants to aspire to be all these different things and they and they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm I challenge them in a way where I tell them about me. I made my vision board about me, but I did not make it about God 
in me. And I also talked to my father um, a few weeks back, and I was telling him that to, to put God first means that you need to get alone with him. And how do you do that? By taking time to yourself to hear what he's saying to you. And that might mean to people putting yourself first, but in doing that, you are intently listening to God. When you have all these different things, social media, TV, mm-hmm. magazines, all these messaging telling you to be selfish, and that still small voice is saying, I need some time with you because I have these things I want to show you. When I took all those things off my vision board, God began to have me to put different things back up on the board that were redefining the vision that he has for me. Instead of, I want to be a best-selling author, it says, I am an incredible writer. You know, instead of, I'm in the best shape of my life, I appreciate my body. Um, and so it, it stopped being self-centered and God-centered because God lives in me. And his spirit lives in me. And if his spirit lives in me, I need to take that time, put everything else away, and actually hear what the spirit is saying. You can't hear it if you don't take time for yourself to know yourself. And he will show you when you get all of the outside interferences away. See, we think we have to put a a picture of a perfect body. We have to put a picture of a perfect house. We have to put a whole bunch of money up on our vision board. But what he's really telling you, get alone with me and I will show you things that you do not know. I have, I, I, I'm taking a pause because literally my whole body, like, I don't even know what it's doing right now, but that hit me really hard. That spoke to me in the most clear way of understanding the kingdom of God that I've ever heard in my life. Thank you, Lord. Wow. I don't That's know. That's the best. I did. Did that? I've never heard that explained that way before. That was that just blew my mind. Wow. I'll also tell you a thing about surrender. I have a son who is six, 17 years old, and he hasn't had um, just to be in all transparency. Things just hadn't been working out for him here at home. We sent him to um, a place where he could like learn a trade and things like that because school just wasn't working out for him. And I found myself trying to be the solution to Mm. every problem he had. If, if this wasn't working, I had a Band-Aid for it. If this wasn't working, I'd advocate for him. If, if it wasn't working here, let me open up this door for him. And I really kind of um, balked at the notion of surrendering it all to God, even though I had done that before. I'm like, how do you just give it over to God? Do you put your bills on the altar and leave it there and then don't worry if your, bill, if your lights get cut off? You know, I was just kind of being um, flippant with it. Mm-hmm. But then my... My inner, my, my inner being, the Holy Spirit was like, yeah, you do just let it go. I was worried about my son. I was worried about his mental health. I was worried about what his future would be like. But then I wrote all of that out. And I said, I'm going to 
let it go. It's almost like when you're, when you're trying to swim so hard and you're trying not to drown, the, the harder you fight, the lower you sink. Mm -hmm. When you let go, you end up floating to the top. <laughs> so I had to let go and say, what, whether my son face plants, mm. he belongs to God. And by me saying that and actually really relinquishing that and saying, okay, I'm letting this go now. Yeah. The door started opening up. Things just started falling into place. Um, he had to be homeschooled for a while because of COVID and the center that he was at was closed for so long. Mm. But at the moment where I was getting frustrated, he was getting frustrated, people were getting frustrated. And I said, no matter what, I'm letting this go the next day. Hey, we'd like to let you know the center is opening back up. <laughs> we, we fight so hard to hold on to stuff. But when we understand that he is the how, all we have to bring to him is the what. Look, God, I, I have all these, these ideas. And, and it's not up to us to figure out how it's going to come to pass. We have to bring our ideas, our dreams, our hopes to him. And when we let it go, he, for some, I don't know how, it's supernatural. He brings you exactly what you need. It may not be the way that you thought it was going to turn out, but it ends up happening every single time. True story. I wanted an iPad. I want an iPad so bad. I just want one. I don't know why. I just want one. <laughs> and I wanted my husband to buy it for me for my birthday. That didn't happen. I wanted it for Christmas. That didn't happen. And then I wrote down in my journal. You don't have to do this. I, that's just what, how me and God commute. I write down in my journal. I want this iPad but I'm going to let it go. I don't care if I get it or not. I, I want it, but I'm not going to stress out about it. The next day I got an email in my inbox saying, Hey, the, the governor has some extra money and he wants to give devices to homeschooled students. Guess what's in the list of devices. IPad. And iPad. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Wait, you're not homeschooled. Oh, are you jacking yourself? I'm homeschooling, <laughs> and it's and they don't they don't know what I need to use it for. That's none of their business. They just try to get rid of money. <laughs> That's too funny. I want to ask you something about surrender because some people take surrender as sitting on the couch doing nothing. Like, okay, God, bring me the magic. <laughs> Talk about the balance of surrender and then taking committed action, which is also important to the Lord. Absolutely. So there's a point where you have gone and done everything you know humanly possible. Like I told you about my daughter, mm -hmm. prayed all the prayers. I got in the in the church line. I got knocked out, got up. My daughter was still sick. <laughs> I, I, I did my due diligence. I researched everything everything. I told the doctors, you got to check this. You got to check that. She had all the infusions, all the different things that, that needed to happen, happened. Mm -hmm. And she was still sick. That is the part of surrender. I didn't say, Lord, heal my daughter and just go on and bury my head in the sand. Mm -hmm. No, I did everything that 
I knew to do to be able to take care of her and I didn't leave her in the hands of the doctors. No, I continued to be diligent. I continued to research. I still fed her through a feeding tube. And I, and then my heart had done all that it could do. I was, I was a nervous wreck. Mm -hmm. It's it's the um, fight or flight syndrome. I wanted to, I wanted to run away from her, honestly, because I was afraid. Um, but it was the, the moment where my heart said, God, you have got to do this. And I still did the things. I still got up. I still changed her diaper. I still fed her. I still did all those things. And, and it didn't happen instantaneously. She started with waffle. Then she started writing. Then she started walking. Then she was able to go back to school. Um, but that moment of surrender came when I knew all that I could do. There's a song that says, after you've done all you can, stand. And that is exactly what it is. When you've exhausted all of your things, when you look at your bank account and you know for sure there is no way you can pay this bill and keep a positive bank account, when you have knocked on every door, when you have submitted your play, when you have submitted your manuscript, when you've applied for the jobs, when you have done your part, then you say, okay, God, I'm not going to worry about it anymore. I sent that application off. I'm not going to worry about it. It's in your hands. If it's for me, I know it will come back to me. And when you say, when you say I can give that over, then the, the miraculous happens. That's the balance. I, I'm experiencing something really interesting. Like I, I, I don't, I'm not make, trying to make this about me right now. I'm really not. But like when you speak, it's like it's there's like life being pumped into my spirit. Like I can feel mm. it. And it's making me emotional. Like I'm wanting to cry right now. And I don't, it's I mean, I know it's a Holy Spirit thing, but I'm feeling it in a different way. And I don't I I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like when you're talking, it's going <laughs> the chest but in a good way not in an annoying way yeah wow i don't know is anyone else feeling this because i am because i think she's speaking life or maybe this is what i need to hear because this is what i've been struggling with mm-hmm. and the control because i want it now mm-hmm. like i've been fighting for a long time and like and i do surrender but then i try to take back control and i of something else that i you know when i, I like i'm wrestling with which i was just talking about before and and now like this is just what i needed to hear mm-hmm. so i mean i hope audio i'm sure the audience is loving this and from the comments i can see they they're loving it and digging it and all that stuff but like i feel like you're just talking to me right now <laughs> no offense everybody but that's the amazing thing about the holy spirit i am just a vessel and i say what he downloads into me like when i post things sometimes on on social media it has just hit me so much I needed to share. And then somebody says, oh my gosh, I needed to hear that. And that blesses me so much because that lets me know I have that direct line of communication and that I'm in sync with, with the spirit that's in me. And if, if, if for nothing else, if this was all about to send you a message, <laughs> then, then I know that I've done my part. Man, you're awesome. You're awesome. Uh, I, for the, the sake of time, like I could talk to you for days. Man, you, <laughs> I had Dr. Ruth on yesterday, and 
she blew my mind and I had to like start turn the subject to change it to wind it down because I could have talked to her for three hours could talk to you for three hours but <laughs> we don't have three hours <laughs> so I mean I guess I could but uh, for the sake of time like what is is what is it that you like you're working on that you would love to promote that you want people to know about and then you know after with the interview I showed you kind of what we do and you know, I'll make sure everything is put in that media kit uh, for people to be able to find. But can sure. you announce it and just talk about what, you know, how people can find you if they want to work with you, what they need to do? Yeah, absolutely. Right now, um, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do that through my website, racheldfox.com. And I speak on a whole host of different topics from imposter syndrome to knowing your purpose to, um, uh, being comfortable with who you are, where you are. Um, and I also offer uh, coaching. So if you are looking to start a business, if you need to get unstuck, um, I can help you. I can walk you through that. I also have a nonprofit organization that empowers girls and women everywhere. And that's called You Go Girl. And you can get there from, you can get there from my website, racheldfox.com. But if you want to go there directly, you can just go to YGG, that's YGGOmaha.com. And you can find us on social media um, as well. Um, so, and lastly, I also have a web design business. I'm a, I'm a woman in technology. When I stepped wow. out in 2017, after my daughter got sick, I launched a business called Catapult Consulting Solutions, and God spoke to me to start a web design business, and I've done that, and I'm still doing that today. So um, you can reach me if there is a need that you have, and I can't, ha I can't meet that need. I can point you in the direction where you need to go. So I'm very uh, conscientious about being intentional, um, and so I want to make sure that if there is something that you need and I can't fit that need, I'm going to point you in the right direction. Um, I don't have any any books right now um, that I've published, but I'm working on one. Hopefully it'll be published this year and it'll be uh, labeled authenticity. Um, so I'm excited to be working on that. I've been writing and writing and writing and um, it is really something that I'm proud of. Um, and once that drops, Joshua, I'll definitely send you a link to that. I'm not selling anything. Um, I'm, I'm just, I am who I am and I'd love to meet you. I, yeah, I want to have you back on for sure. Um, <laughs> why don't you, I mean, I know you have a lot going on, but why don't, why don't you have a podcast or a TV show? Cause I, you know, amazing. people have told me and I, I did start a YouTube channel, um, last year and I put pause on it right before like the election and everything like that. And I need to go back to it. It's just that I'm in, I'm in a master's degree program. Oh. I've got kids going on here and I had to take a pause because I needed to go through this journey. Um, um, and I don't know if you ever heard of it, but uh, let me show you. It's called the artist's way. Oh, cool. You should pick it up. Um, yeah. If, um, and basically what I was finding myself doing was saying and doing a lot of things out of habit or out of what I thought people would have expected of me. And I needed to peel back more layers of myself. That's good. So um, this is really something that I have stuck to and I'm almost done. I'm almost at my 12 weeks, but then I'll start to 
do my podcasting and go back through and uh, do more YouTube videos. And I'm glad that you said that. That's confirmation that um, I need to pick that back up. Uh, so I've been doing a little bit of more soul searching and God is just revealing more and more of himself to me. And when I'm done, I will have more to share. Well, and if you on the podcast TV front, when you're ready to have that conversation, reach out to me because I would love to help support you in creating that. Yes. Uh, it's yeah, I would love to do that. And also for your nonprofit. Um, I don't know. What age group are you working with on the nonprofit? Well, our target audience um, when we first started was middle school, high school, early college um, age girls. But we have women that we serve as well. Um, so uh, right now we've had to go 100% digital and we offer different things like coding clubs, getting girls involved with technology because I'm a woman in technology and there's not enough of us there. But we also have book clubs. Uh, we have empowerment workshops that we're getting ready to start doing. And in March, we're going to host a virtual Women's Day March. Um, so we're excited about that. You can look us up on Omaha Women's Day March. We're going to have speakers, all kinds of things that uh, girls and women everywhere can take advantage of. And it's just all about um, making sure that girls and women know they have the power within them to utilize their voice to effectively change what it is they want to see. So I have a youth ministry called Voices for the Voiceless. Our nonprofit is a nonprofit media organization. And so A, I would love to broadcast your march on our network. Um, it'll go TV, podcast, everything. Okay. Um, just like this. And then um, also, if you ever want to organize a training for the women, maybe some of them have a ministry inside of them. Maybe some of them want to start a podcast or TV show. Um, maybe we could, you know, collaborate one sometime soon and do a training and we can teach them how to go from the very beginning to the idea phase to the distribution and then being able to monetize it and all of that stuff in between that. So yes. I, we teach all of it. And uh, oh, I'd love that. So, and a group training is even more fun because you get more people. <laughs> so, yeah. and, and, but I would love to do that as a service to you guys. And because the more people that are spreading positivity, and look, I mean, even though we're faith based, more people that are speaking life into others, I'm all, I'm all for. So, anything okay. I can do to support on that front, you know, we are at your service. Awesome. Well, I'm going to take you up on that, on yeah. all of it. Um, so stay tuned. You're not going to hear um, the last of me. We're just friends now, so deal with yeah. it. That's <laughs> what's up. Rachel, God bless you. Thank you so much for speaking life. I, I, again, I'm going to speak for the audience, but I know <laughs> you spoke life to them. But to me, like, wow, thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Joshua. God bless. See you soon. All right. Bye. Rachel D. Fox, everyone. And wow. Uh, if you're just joined us, you want to go back and watch the beginning and the whole thing. It, it just progressively like a steamroller or whatever picks up momentum and goes and goes and goes and just it's it's extremely, extremely powerful. What an amazing human being. I don't even call her a woman. She is a woman. But what an amazing human being. Thank you guys for being here. God bless you all. Um, so grateful. Samuel Sneed, so good to see you, my man. Lori, great to see you. 
um, who I saw, where'd you go? I saw, you guys are calling me. Hunter, good to see you. Day, good to see you. Sean, good to see you. Roni, good to see you. Jessica, my love, always good to see you. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your support. God bless you. And again, if you just joined, go back and watch the beginning. See you. Take care. Have a blessed weekend.